This is the Charter Nation Podcast. You're listening to Charter Nation. This is the Charter Nation Podcast. Produced by the California Charter Schools Association. I'm your host, Anna Tintopoulos. Thanks for tuning in. In this episode of Charter Nation, we'll get to know three individuals who are working in the trenches of Los Angeles to make sure students can access high-quality school options or get the social and emotional support they need. First up, the new executive director of Parent Revolution. Then we'll hear from the man behind a charter school network who's pinpointed the knowledge, attributes, and skills that he believes will make his students ideal high school graduates. We'll also spend time with a school counselor in Watts who's helping students manage grief and anxiety so they can stay focused in school. First up is our Change Maker segment. Mirna Castrojon, president and CEO of the California Charter Schools Association, recently sat down with Jay Artis Wright, the new executive director of Parent Revolution. The nonpartisan education reform group in Los Angeles captured national attention eight years ago when it pushed for the creation of California's parent trigger law. Now Parent Revolution is largely focused on its Choice for LA program, which offers families one-on-one support so they can find the right educational option for their children and successfully enroll them in that option. Parent Revolution's work has been critical during the pandemic as more families seek out alternatives in L.A. Unified. The district has received close to $5 billion in COVID relief funding to help overcome challenges, yet a recent L.A. Times analysis found school closures in the pandemic has had devastating impacts on academic performance. Black and Latino students have been hit the hardest. CCSA's Myrna Castrojon begins this Changemakers interview by asking Jay Artis Wright about how Parent Revolution is activating parents around the alarming news. Let's talk a little bit about LAUSD. We know as the largest district in the nation, one that was substantively closed to in-person instruction uh, for the the brunt of, of these past 18 months in the pandemic, it's really evident that parents in all their positionalities, right, have a particular urgency uh, to show up more than ever in schools, uh, that a return does not mean a return to status quo, or at least it shouldn't, right? Uh, because we know that that system as it was prior to the pandemic was simply not good enough for too many of our students. How are you positioning parent revolution to ensure that we don't go back to business as usual? I'm I'm so glad you named that, Mirna, and, and let's talk about that. The fact that when you calculate the amount of time it took the district to figure out how to get distance learning to our, our students and our families, it was 90 days, almost three months, um, that they sat around, not you know, all of us were going through the pandemic together, but while they were trying to figure out figure it out, our families were trying to figure out how to teach their children, how to continue to work, how to stay healthy if they were unemployed because they lost their jobs, how to keep the lights on. Um, You know that in the charter school world, charter schools uh, provided online curriculum within like two to three weeks. Uh, We had charter schools that were visiting parents at home. There were people who were setting up learning hubs. And Parent Revolution, we launched a lawsuit just to be able to say like, look, you don't have to sit around and not do anything. There is something that you could do. We are all suffering from this pandemic together, but some of us are being a little bit more responsible to what is most valuable, which is our children and how we make sure that they're okay in this moment. 
And so it was really important to name that because you had 90 days to figure it out. And then even after that, um, you know, what you did was the same thing that all the rest of us <laughs> who were in the trenches were already doing. And so I'm, I have not been impressed. You've got $5.5 billion exclusively to recover. It, you know, I get agitated when I think about it because that is $5.5 billion more than other districts have had at their resources. And they did better than LAUSD. Tell me, uh, how are you working with Parent Revolution to get to that deeper level of engagement that is beyond the the the, the vote next week, uh, but really infusing leadership and civic development as part of the, the the array of skills that people need to deploy in public life? People don't realize that organizing is a skill and it is a, a tool that you can use to build power. And so... Uh, some of the things that we do are specifically holding trainings to be be able to understand how how the power works and really dismantling the system. And then what we do is just use the tools of organizing, like going through having you know house meetings or cafes with them to talk to them about like how you get more people in your corner. Like the big the biggest value that we have is people power. And then focusing on issues, right? Because there's there's problems and there's issues and we're working in a way that organically is changing not only the lives of the students, but the lives of these parents. We have parents that come into this work as strictly a volunteer because they want to see their kindergartner or their third grader or their high schooler do better in school. And after a series of, of years with us, they're now professionals. They've, they've now switched professions. And, and that's something that I think people take for granted as far as how how much of an impact advocacy can have on a family, how much of an imp- impact parent advocacy can have, because just the way we we view um, you know quality education changing the lives of students, uh, parent advocacy is changing the lives of families because we're equipping them with the education that they didn't get themselves that they're expecting their children to have, and then we are training them and giving them the skills to go out now and be the most um, the most powerful voice. Absolutely. It, it, Jake, you're giving a masterclass on the core principles of organizing. And I love that because, you, you know, you're speaking my love language here and you're a mother of three and you are now a very much like the parents that you represent and are seeking to amplify that space for voice. How is that changing how you're leading uh, as an executive director now and where you want to take your organization? One of the things that I've always tried to hold true to is being authentic. And I can't be any more authentic than being, you know, an executive director of an organization where I'm my my children are invested and I'm invested in the system as well. I am a mother. I'm a professional. I think that that also gives value to the fact that when people see parents, they just see them as this monolith of just like these parents who don't who aren't educated, who don't have children in, you know, a multitude of different systems. My son went to a traditional public school. My daughters were in a charter school. Um, now they're in a traditional public school. So like when you have more than one child specifically, you are in a multitude of systems with a multitude of different type of learning styles. And so that's a part of this work that I bring now um, as a parent that just adds value to the knowledge that I have about the systems of policy, uh, you know, the knowledge that I have about how the legislature works, how to lobby you know, that's just that to me, that's like the icing on the cake. That That is totally right. And uh, and you have an added dimension to that authenticity, right, uh, where uh, you are experiencing the system and the advocacy space as a black mother. 
Right. And especially in LAUSD. And, and I think that's actually one of the draws that I had to this role. I mean, now being able to be here, like you said, as a mother, uh, a professional, but a black mother um, specifically in an, in, a, in an area and in a district where truly there needs to be major improvements for black students in this district um, and, and choice. Parents need to know the options that they have. I think that that's really valuable. And, and, I'm, and I'm definitely owning all of those identities as well. Let me pivot a little bit to one of your signature programs uh, at Parent Revolution and that is the Choice for LA program. I, I remember when the program got uh, kicked off and uh, a few years ago, and the whole idea was that navigating school choice is not a, a, a value-free proposition, right? That there are barriers to entry when it comes to navigating the very Byzantine process of finding what the right match is uh, for for students, given the wide array of choices that are uh, existing in the Los Angeles metropolitan area. And Parent Revolution, the Choice for LA program has really been focusing on dismantling those barriers, right? So can you tell me how can Choice for LA help to change that trajectory uh, for a child's academic future? Yeah, it, it's, it's basically a, a program that we run and we've run for several years now um, that looks one-on-one uh, -on -one with the parent and goes through all of the options. They literally walk through hours to two hours with families to figure out what works best. And that is such a value that we have as an organization because I went through it myself and just, you know, learned more about magnet schools and magnet programs, knowing like the times of year that magnet programs have uh, availability to apply as opposed to other options. And so, you know, the power in that is that you really do get to see the choices that you have and, and how you how you fit in them. Um, the second part of that is now that you know that these choices are out there, what do you want to do about that? And, and how do you want to uh, transform not only the lives of your child, but make sure these options are available to all parents. So like share the wealth, right? Like not don't just learn about this and keep it to yourself. So then you start to cultivate this leadership component. And so we've been using choice um, as a way to not only engage with our parents, but let that be the first stepping stone in their advocacy by showing them like, now that you have this information, share it with others. And then by the way, come back to us and learn about the different resources that are available to you as a parent. Um, know, the, know how to go to your district, for example. Um, know your different district leaders. Um, know how the, the district is divided because LAUSD is very large. It, it stretches across many counties. And so it's, it's it's just kind of like one of the first steps in a parent's advocacy is joining us through choice and just learning what those options are. And we found that once that happens, they want to know more and they want to learn more. We've actually had a blessing to be uh, to be in this digital advocacy era because, um, you know, through COVID, we were able to use Zoom more appropriately. So where we had to go and maybe have a one on one for 30 minutes with families, we can now run a whole workshop uh, through Zoom. So it's actually worked well in our favor. And um, giving us opportunities now, we, we're in the midst right now of planning around how to scale choice further so that we can reach more families. We've got a thousand schools in L.A. Um, and, and we work, you know, anywhere between 1,500 to 2,500 families a year that we work with. Um, but now there's ability, there's an ability using digital advocacy and digital platforms to even scale that up higher. I think that's wonderful that you're you're taking this moment of the pandemic, right, and the deployment of uh, new tech enabled tools to, that can still bridge 
uh, some of the challenges of what organizing is, right? And that is maintaining uh, close and constant contact with families. What are you learning from the parents that you're working with here in Los Angeles? Uh, at the end of the day, we all have a common denominator, and that is we want quality schools for our kids regardless, right? And so one of the biggest things that I'm learning is just how we need to focus on the humanity of us all. And so I have learned um, just from talking to so many different parents that, you know, whether it is a Black parent on South LA, a Latino parent in East LA, or a white parent in West LA, everyone wants the same thing. They want everyone, they want their children to have a quality education. They expect more from the schools that serve them. They want to be allies with the schools. Um, and they want to be heard. They want to be seen and respected in a way that allows them to feel like they've got a role to play in the in the work. And there is room and there is a role for them to play. And so that has been both humbling and inspiring for me um, because I think that I couldn't be in a more perfect position right now to make sure that we, we make all those things happen. I couldn't agree more. This is absolutely the perfect moment and the perfect leader for, for this challenge. And thank you so much for your time, Jay. Great to catch up with you. Thank you so much. And, and uh, I really appreciate you, Myrna, and look forward to continuing to see our leadership and our work transcend this, this world we're in. That was Jay Artis Wright, the new executive director of Parent Revolution, speaking with Myrna Castrojon, president and CEO of the California Charter Schools Association. And here are some new data points for you when it comes to charter school support among parents. A recent CCSA survey finds the majority of parents, 78%, believe they should be able to choose a charter public school if they think it's better for their child than a nearby district school. What's more, 60% say they would consider enrolling their child in a charter public school. You're listening to the Charter Nation podcast. I'm your host, Anna Tentakoulis. As you heard in our Changemaker segment, billions of federal COVID relief dollars are reaching California district and charter schools so educators can implement or expand programs that mitigate learning loss or address students' social and emotional well-being. When it comes to students' mental health, many schools are looking to hire more counselors. Students at Resolute Academy Charter School in South Los Angeles know just how powerful having a school counselor can be. The school, which serves middle school students in Watts, hired a full-time counselor just before the pandemic hit. Her name is Christiana Cobdozier, also known as Miss CD by her students. She's helping students manage grief and anxiety on a daily basis so they can stay focused in school. We wanted to hear from Christiana about being a trauma-informed educator. Here's her story in her own words. I'm Christiana Cobb-Dozier, or Miss CD, and I'm the school counselor at Resolute Academy. So when some people think of Watts, they might think of negative things like violence or um, poverty. And I would push back. On that, I would say that Watts is a place of love, it's a place of community, it's a place of strength. Students are coming in with a lot of strong feelings. One of those strong feelings is grief. We experienced a lot of loss in the last year and over 
year and a half. Um, that means loss of like family members or friends who passed away from COVID. Um, maybe you have experienced loss of a home because you had to move or even experienced homelessness in the last year. You lost time with your friends and for middle school, peer connection is huge. And so first thing I um, like to remind myself and of our staff is to have that front of mind and to be trauma informed and ask the questions of what needs do our students have and how can I as the adult help them meet that need. In the year that I've been here and now year two that I'm starting, I've seen a tremendous growth from our students just from having that additional adult to help them um, navigate these systems. School is a system, right? And so, um, yes, they are in their classrooms, but we need to give them the tools to be able to function in those classrooms. Students are not able to learn if they are not able to regulate themselves. And as a school counselor, that's an opportunity that I have to give students those skills or to help teachers help students with those skills. So for instance, a social emotional skill is being able to communicate. So we will have a lesson about social skills, which talks about assertive communication as well as like active listening. So as you're communicating, the other person should be listening. So what does it look like for you to listen? And how does it look like for you to articulate what you're feeling? It can be hard to regulate yourself if you don't know what to do. So letting an adult know like, I'm feeling out of control right now, help me out. And the adult can say, all right, let's take a break, go take a walk. The teacher might contact me like, Miss CD, can you take a walk with this scholar? And I'm out of the door to go do that with them and support them. One thing that we have this year that we're starting, um, we have web leaders that stands for where everybody belongs. And it's a student group where our older students get to help our younger students by being mentors and creating um, a culture of helping on campus and being present. So we had a new sixth grader one day who was very nervous and very shy, did not want mom to leave. And I had one of my web leaders come down with me and greet that student, give her like a little candy pack and walk her up to her first class. I watched this web leader who is shy herself and was nervous herself, walk with this sixth grader and say like, oh, I had this teacher, you're gonna love her. She's really great. Um, your classmates are gonna be kind to you. I know you're gonna have a good day. I saw that same sixth grader at lunch. She had friends, she was laughing. I brought her into my office for a lunch bunch with the group of kids she was sitting with. And according to her teacher, she had an amazing day. So that's something that we're providing here and it's been really phenomenal. Kids motivate me. I enjoy seeing them grow. I enjoy seeing them learn and connect with one another. And it gets hard. There are hard moments throughout the day. Every day looks very different. So I have to also remind myself to stay present. But um, one thing that I always find myself feeling very um, happy about throughout the day, even when it is a tough day, is walking along our campus and hearing a kid go, hey, Miss CD, from across the field, that lights me up at any point in the day. I think yesterday I was leaving after a long day. I was like, oh, I can't wait to go home and get in this car. And as I walked by the lunch tables, they were at after school and they go, bye, Miss CD. And I just was like, I'm gonna see y'all tomorrow. And it's a-okay. And so I think 
Um, just knowing that they know that I'm here for them and I have their back even when it gets tough um, motivates me. That was Christiana Cobb-Dozier, the school counselor at Resolute Academy Charter School in the Watts community of South Los Angeles. If you'd like to learn more about this school, visit its website at resoluteacademy.org. And just a heads up, CCSA will be releasing a report in early December about how charter public schools in California are supporting the social and emotional well-being of its students. You're listening to the Charter Nation podcast. I'm your host, Anna Tentakoulis. For our last story, we wanted to get to know the man behind Magnolia Public Schools, Alfredo Rubalcava. As CEO and superintendent of Magnolia, he oversees 10 campuses throughout Southern California, all of which focus on science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. He and his team, along with the school's board of directors, have been working to pinpoint the knowledge, attributes, and skills they believe will make their students ideal high school graduates. The initiative itself is called Portrait of a Graduate. Here's an audio postcard from Alfredo Rubalcava of Magnolia Public Schools. I joined Magnolia Public Schools in 2002, and I'm approaching my 19th year. The Portrait of a Graduate Initiative is a roadmap that we've created over the last two years to ensure that students leave our schools with six competencies as they enter higher education or the workforce, which are literacy with a learner's mindset, critical thinking, creativity, effective communication, adaptability, global citizenship. Global citizenship for Magnolia students is to contribute to making the world a better place. As an example would be with our school in Santa Ana. They consistently distributed diapers, food, and other essential items to their community every week. They saw the need and wanted to lend support to the community during the past year. We've connected families with resources for rental assistance and re-entering the workforce. This speaks to the traits and skills that we're empowering our students with, not only are they actively participating and giving back to their communities, which speaks to the global citizenship, but allows them to take ownership that they can make a change no matter how big or small. Helping others and being there speaks volumes and we hope to continue building on the giving spirit at our schools. We are proud of our academic performance and our college and career readiness metrics. Currently, graduation rates across MPS is 96.2 compared to the state average of 86.6. Our A through G completion rates, MPS is close to 90%, better than the state average of 50%. And I'm happy to say that since its inception in 2002, Magnolia has graduated over 1,500 students. One great thing about charter public schools is that we are nimble, adapted, and have a growth mindset where we continually evaluate our programs and processes, grounded in data and with stakeholder input. Anyone who is interested in learning more about our Portrait of a Graduate work can reach out to me directly. And starting in October, we will have a Facebook Live event series tied to the Portrait of a Graduate work. It is called Savvy Skills. Make sure to tune in. That's Alfredo Rubalcava of Magnolia Public Schools. 
If you'd like to find out more about Magnolia, head over to its website at magnoliapublicschools.org. And that wraps it up for this episode of Charter Nation. If you've missed some of our recent episodes, not to worry, head over to our website, ccsa.org slash charter nation. That's where you'll find other great charter public school stories in the Golden State. I'm Anna Tentakoulis, host of Charter Nation. Thanks for listening. 